Hey, I'm Carla with Race to Walk, and these are just a few Sunday thoughts. And um, I did a little chat last week um, after one of our little meetings with um, some of the Afghan Christians and Mark, and I thought maybe I'll do another one, especially until I get back on my regular schedule of publishing videos. I um, actually did a Bible study video this week, and uh, the sound was wrong, so I'm going to have to redo it. But um, this is just something I was thinking about this morning, and um, my thought was, like, if you had to defend your faith, to explain it, and your life depended on it, uh, would you be able to do it? Because some of the conversations that I've been having with um, some of the people in our Afghans, it's not just uh, in our Afghan groups, it's not just one, but the group started as in Bible studies with Christians. And so we started with... I don't know. I can't even remember now. I think we started with like 17, 18 families and um, I'm trying to remember how many people, 60 people total. And now I think we're up to 30 families and I haven't like told everybody and I have like a little spreadsheet, but I'm keeping, um, I think a hundred people. And there have been some conversations about, well, these people aren't really Christians and, um, it's kind of a uh, some questions about okay, do do people really deserve help? Like, who should get priority for help? And um, I had a discussion with them at the beginning when I started helping um, when I June, December first when I took over the classes that um, I knew that uh, their situation was really difficult. And I knew that as I know that as Christians, they're at a particular risk not only in, you know, from going back to Afghanistan, but also just in Pakistan, they're at risk. And so, um, you know, I understand that, but people need help. I mean, it's a bad situation for everyone, not just for Christians. And so um, there were questions about do people, are they really believers? Are they really believers? And, um, so, and should they be helped? And my response was, okay, you know, I don't know where anybody is at. And even people in my own church, sometimes I question where they're at by some of the things that they say. So that's true everywhere. And I know, you know, that um, sometimes people claim to be Christians because they have an agenda. And that's not just true in Afghan, in, for Afghans who are looking to immigrate. That's true here. I mean, I go, I'm in Texas and I mean, we have politicians coming in preaching in church uh, in, during election season. You know, they're, are they actually believers or are they just coming because they want to get votes? <laughs> we have people that, you know, come to church because it's better networking than it is going to the chamber of commerce we have people coming to the singles groups because they get better quality people than going to a bar i mean a lot of people come to church here because they have an agenda so that's not new but um i also think you know just some of the conversations i've had recently and some of the things i've been thinking about because i can um look at like some of the responses and say, okay, where is somebody at? Where's someone at? But 
the thing that I've been realizing is that we're all shaped by um, our experiences, right? Especially when it comes to being a Christian. And when you're in a country where um, Christians are a minority and maybe you come to know Jesus, but like who you are as a Christian and your belief as a Christian is really shaped by the people that you're around. And so there's not a lot of uh, variety or um, uh, a lot of choices for getting that discipleship. And so that is going to affect your spirituality, your Christian, your formation, your spiritual formation. And that's what I've been seeing. So I can tell like the way people express their faith um, in these groups. I can tell a lot about the people that they were discipled by and who they've been in fellowship with. That, that makes a difference. And their understanding of certain things is going to be shaped by who they're taught by. And um, so as far as like, do you have a right understanding or a perfect understanding? Maybe some people don't, but they, um, it doesn't mean that they don't need help. The situation that they're in is the situation they're in. And um, it just makes me wonder, like if, if American Christians were in the same situation where they were constantly questioned about their faith and um, asked about their testimony and uh, asked to express their understanding of what it is that they believe, what, where would they be? Would they be able to pass the test? If their life depended on it, if they had, were able to get a spot to go to safety, how many people would be able to pass that test? And um, I'll be honest, I mean, some of the things I hear people say, I don't know if they would be. I mean, we have, you know, we did a, I did a Bible study last month, and uh, I just made a comment. I have it, I'll, I'll link to it in the description afterwards, but... Um, the commentary on the Bible study from Lifeway with somebody with the commentator, and this is in the official, like the little handout for the study guide for the lesson, they were, what they were expressing was a polyamorianism, which is a heresy. And in the Bible study, there was a lot of pushback about it. And I was like, Jesus lived fully as human. And that is, so this is the Orthodox small old, oh, this is like Orthodox Christianity. There was a lot, of, there were a lot of people that, were not agreeing with me on that and I'm like okay this is this is this is it this is what we believe I mean that's you see that on a lot of like YouTube videos like people calling Bill Johnson specifically a heresy about his understanding of kenosis and I don't know what you you know I don't know all of Bill Johnson's belief but the thing that a lot of the discernment ministries are criticizing he's correct on that but he has orthodox belief they're the heretics you know and uh, the whole thing about this is the thing that like sends me through the roof. All the people like, you know, responding to the political dog whistle of critical race theory and what they're criticizing, and they don't like to think that there's generational sin. It's like, well, I'm sorry, but you know, this generational consequences and generational iniquity that is one of the foundational truths that Christianity is based on. The atonement doesn't work without it. It's two sides of the same coin. So which is it? Are you denying generational iniquity and the atonement? 
or are you going with your political beliefs? I mean, I question a lot of people's understanding and uh, their salvation about things. I don't, if, if there was a purity test about um, like, what is you believe if you're like a real Christian and actually understand true Christian beliefs, then you know what, there's a lot of people that would uh, miss out. So um, that's basically what I've been, that's been going through my mind a lot. And the other thing too is that we're at a point where we are sort of not at a pause, but we're kind of in waiting. So we have people that had, this is a crazy thing, I'm not even going to get into it all, but we had people that had to go back to Afghanistan because, um, or risk deportation by Pakistan. And uh, almost, I think every everyone in our group has worked for organizations that would put them at risk. And if you're not aware of this one, Trump signed the Doha agreement. He, he basically handed the country over to the Taliban and released 5,000 5, uh, Taliban terrorists. And when we pulled out, we left the data about who it was that we worked with, in addition to equipment to be able to identify the people. So we, biometric scanners, we left that. I mean, we made everybody that worked with, with any of the NATO allies sitting ducks. And so it's severely, severely dangerous for them. I was trying to keep up to date on what's going on um, in Afghanistan on Twitter, but um, a few people I follow, but there was like some sort of bomb threat and the Saudis actually evacuated their embassy staff to Islamabad. I mean, it's just dangerous. Like when they had to cross the border to go back to Afghanistan, they, um, right before they left, uh, I guess there's like two border crossings and at one of them, a group of 27 had been kidnapped and three other bodies turned up. It's super dangerous. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And I, I, it still blows my mind that the only option for them was to, to have visas to stay in Pakistan was they had to go back to Afghanistan. It's crazy. And so anyway, this is, this is what we're, we're doing right now. We, we have 12 people that are sitting in Afghanistan waiting for those new, new visas, including a seven year old with cancer. So we're waiting there and we are, um, you know, it's looking at, okay, what next? You know, there's people that need passports and crazy thing is I, I have, I know somebody that can get them. <laughs> so, um, we have that. And then, um, maybe I didn't mention this in my, in any of my chats. This is the thing I've been doing updates for my apologetics group about what's going on. And so I kind of forget like what I've shared where, but anyway, the state department, uh, announced a new immigration program called Welcome Corps, and that they announced that on January 19th. And in the middle of this year, they're supposed to open up phase two where um, private sponsors can choose a family to sponsor. And I'm, when I look at that, I'm thinking, okay, this is, this is exactly what we need. And I'm like super excited about that. So I've been trying to get people that are, um, that would be willing to sponsor some of our families in addition to like looking at other countries that would be an option too. So we're, you know, we're looking at Denmark, Canada, Germany, Australia, we're looking at all, any place that we can find a place for them where they can go to be in a non-Islamic country and, you know, just establish a life and live and not be at risk for being killed because of their beliefs. So anyway, so that's what we're looking at. So we're kind of like, we're kind of in a little pause, but we're, I'm also like trying to look at like, what's the next step. And, um, this is what's crazy about it. Like the things that I think would be hard, like 
finding a way to get passports for Afghans when the passport office in Afghanistan is closed and finding people that can evacuate them from Afghanistan. Things I would think that would be hard, like trying to find resources for this a half a world away. Those things are covered. I already got that. You know what's hard? What's been hard has been things I would think would be easy, like talking to friends about, hey, can you uh, spend an hour a week um, and teach some Afghan kids who have been out of school for almost two years now, having a hard time getting a response for that. Or talking to people about, hey, can you just like be a friend to an Afghan family so they can, you know, particularly like the Afghan Christians, you would think that that would be easier, right? You think that would be the easy thing is finding people like do easy stuff like, hey, be a friend. Hey, go on Zoom and like read some English to some Afghan children. And um, that's what I've been having a hard time with. So uh, I don't know. I guess this is just a reminder that um, it's all about the heart, right? Whether it's about getting the those visa approvals or um, finding somebody to help or finding somebody to donate, it's all a heart issue. And um, one isn't really necessarily harder than the other. Things that should be easy, I'm having a heart, not heart, it's going slow, slow going. So um, I back at the, the beginning of this, when I started working on it, I was, it was kind of overwhelming. Like the magnitude of it, I was, everybody I was talking to was like, there's just no way, it's not gonna happen. Um, Every, you know, if you go and look at the like the SIV applications or humanitarian parole applications or the asylum applications, any of those things, it's just huge backlog. And um, everybody's saying it's it's impossible. It's you know it's it's impossible to do this. And it was it was a little overwhelming. And I had it was like a week or little over a week where I was just kind of overwhelmed by it all. The magnitude of it, not only just the whole process, but just, you know, the, you know, what's at stake? I mean, it's literally is life and death situation. And like, they're asking, you know, their Bible study teacher for help. Like, I know nothing about this. And I realized, you know what? It's just, it's just some yeses from the right people. That's all we need. Just some yeses. And we're not, it's not, an, it's not impossible. I mean, it can be done. We're not talking about bending time. We're just asking about getting a few yeses. That's it. Easy stuff. And so getting getting passports uh, from in Afghanistan is a few yeses from the right people. Same thing as like getting people to teach some, some kids on Zoom. Same thing. Same thing. Just guy just has to move on the heart. So that was my little reminder for the day, I guess. And um The other thing I've, I, I guess it's a little upsetting. You know, I taught, I was helped, helped um, organize the Holocaust March of Remembrance here in Houston for two years and had all these people that came and were listening to the stories of Holocaust survivors. And, you know, I know that everybody thinks that if they were in the same position that they would be one of the rescuers. And here's the reality. And there's people that need rescuing today. And who's stepping up? There's very few that are. And, you know, it's easy to go and listen to stories about people who did something, but we should be looking at what can we do today 
and I've had people say, well, you know, there's all this need in the U.S. Yeah, there is. So, and if you see this need, then my answer to you is, what are you doing about it? So if you're not going to help here, where are you helping? Because if you're not helping somewhere, then I don't know. I mean, what, are you, what are you doing with what God gave you? I mean, is it, there's a lot of people that are doing stuff that really only has to do with themselves and their own interests. And um, in Bible study this morning, uh, one of my class members, Pran, was like, you know, it's supposed to, you know, God gives us the Holy Spirit, it's supposed to overflow. So it's not just filling our cup, we're supposed to be overflowing for other people as well. And so if all you're doing is for your own pe people just like you or your own family, your own little group, then I, I think you're missing the whole point. But anyway, those are my thoughts. Um, and uh, hopefully I'll get that Bible study re-recorded and put out. But um, anyway, that's what's up. We need uh, for the Afghans, we need sponsors. I need some people that are willing to um, help uh, just spend some time with some of the kids uh, so that they have a little bit more um, stimulation education. Like I've, I've been uh, teaching them on, I don't teach them. We read English and they teach me Persian because they have really good English skills, but I've been doing it at six o'clock in the morning on Tuesdays and Thursdays because that's when I have time to do it. But they they want some more and I need, I've been asking people, haven't got my yeses yet. So that's what I need. And we need people to donate and uh, we need the right connections. Right connections, the yeses from the right people, funding, and, and basically people that care basically. That's what we're working on. So hope you have a good Sunday and uh, talk to you soon.